Hey everyone, welcome to Schoolhouse, where we believe every parent has what it takes to help their child learn. We're here to give you practical tips and encouragement so you can be a confident learning coach. This is the space where school and house meet. I'm your co-host, Mary Stackhouse, and I'm joined by our host, Dr. Erica Carr, and today we're answering a parent question we received, how does my child actually learn? Now, we received this question from a parent with one child starting preschool and one starting kindergarten. Is that right? That's right, Mary. This was from a father who wants to better understand how his children learn. That makes sense. When children are starting school, they're not only learning subjects, but yeah, they're also learning how to learn. Exactly. And this doesn't stop. There are even adults out there who are entering new stages in life who want to know more about how they actually learn so they can learn faster and better to be successful in that new stage. That's so true. Well, this is an important topic and we have a special guest with us to help answer this question. Erica, why don't you tell us about our guest? It is my pleasure to introduce one of my professors and one of the best professors there ever was, Dr. Ann Gutshaw. Most of us can think of a teacher or two that are near and dear to our hearts, and Dr. Gutshall is one of those for me. Some of you may remember in episode one, Structure to Thrive, that we mentioned that I'm fascinated by the human brain. Well, my obsession with how the brain works all goes back to Dr. Gutshaw's class at College of Charleston. She is a professor and department chair in the College of Charleston School of Education, Health, and Human Performance. Dr. Gutshaw is a school psychologist and a licensed psychoeducational specialist. Her passion for neuroscience and understanding the way the brain works to positively impact learning is what makes her a perfect guest to help us answer this question today. I am thrilled for our listeners to hear a fraction of all I've learned from Dr. Gutshaw. Okay, parents, here we go. Dr. Erica Carr with guest Dr. Ann Gutshaw addressing the question, how does my child actually learn? Dr. Gutshaw, I am beyond excited that you're joining us at the schoolhouse. Thank you for taking time to help us answer this question about learning for our listeners. It's such a pleasure to be here. I have been a psychologist for a very long time, almost 30 years. And I started first in schools as a school psychologist in multiple states for about 15 years, working with all kinds of learners and teachers. And I just sort of, I have a love affair with teachers in particular and classroom settings and what makes them work and what makes them tick. And so then about 15 years ago, I got an opportunity to come to the College of Charleston and teach psychology courses to people who wanted to be teachers or people that already were teachers pursuing graduate education and sort of continued my interest in the brain, in learning, in teaching, and how can we make schools the very best they can be by preparing teachers the best way that we can. And of course, that's where I met you, Erica, when I was teaching what at first was the class I ever heard of, a cognitive neuroscience course (laughs) that ultimately challenged me to the point where um, it became my complete obsession and passion. So I've been teaching that course and honing it and changing it for about 15 years. And it is my area that I research in as well. So kind of taking neuroscience and understanding learning and the brain and what's really happening and sort of taking it on the road to teachers and students and families. It's so important. I can tell you that class sparked obsessions with many of us. Um, It was 
one of the best classes that I had because it was just so informative and so relevant to everything that we do as educators. And now, obviously, like you said, parents can benefit from the same information. Yeah. I mean, teachers and parents are brain changers, but they don't always know it. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. All right. So let's get to our question. So this question, how does my child actually learn, came to us from a parent who wants to understand how learning works so he can help his children learn to learn. So Dr. Gutshaw, what do you say we break this down a little bit? Because I'm sure this can go um, very detailed, very fast. (laughs) (laughs) Well, um, or not, right? Yeah. Or not. So one of the coolest things to come around um, is a functional MRI scanner in the early 90s. And from that, a very cool term that I love to use all the time and teach even five-year-olds called neuroplasticity. And that's really the cool part about learning in the brain. And so what this parent needs to know is that the human brain is always able to learn by making more and more connections. And the connections happen in the cells of the brain, the neurons. And what is new in the last 30 years is the idea that we always get new neurons, no matter how old we are. And so one thing to understand is that when a baby is born, um, even by about age two, they have tremendous number of neurons, but they have very few connections. Mm -hmm. And the learning takes place when the neurons connect to each other and that happens through experiences like talking to your child and reading to your child and holding your child and showing them something and being in a classroom or outside so experiences cause neurons um, to activate fire and connect each other which is actually learning in the brain oh man i love it so much you're bringing back memories of um, seeing images of this and being in awe of the actual connections as they're taking place. Um, so, okay, what are some ways then that parents can support this, the process of learning or, like you said, activating and having the neurons actually connect? What are some right. ways that parents can do? Right. So the good news is that um, your child's brain comes prepared by Mother Nature in the most fantastic way. So the first thing to know is that all brains come equipped to learn to make new pathways and connections. And humans are the very best way for those connections and pathways to be made. So a tiny little baby's favorite thing is a human face. Mm -hmm. And we're focused on that face and learn from that face. We even have neurons dedicated in our brain called mirror neurons, and they actually fire when we watch other people do things. So imitation and modeling is learning. Um, So that's one way is just to interact with your child. I have a favorite phrase. It comes from Harvard. They uh, have a whole um, series of learning for parents that you can check out on their website, their child development website. And they talk about something called serve and return parenting. And this is sort of like playing tennis, where your child serves you something. Look at this, mommy, and you say, ooh, what do you have? And you return it right back. So the big idea is to sort of catch what your child is serving up and return it in a way that causes them to grow a little bit and to think a little bit more. Um, And so there's this sort of lovely pacing that can happen that parents can do, and most parents do intuitively. But sometimes we can be tempted to think that they don't need us Mm. for that. 
And in fact, they're really depending on another interaction of some kind, either with a peer, or a sibling, or another adult. Mm -hmm. So those interactions are really key to a lot of the great learning that's going on. Another thing um, to remember is memory and attention. These two things are components of learning. So we learn best when we're able to attend to what we're being asked to learn. And in some way, shape or form, learning is typically measured by memory, meaning that we have to have changed our brain enough to store the memory or be able to figure out what we've learned to use it in a new way or to demonstrate some kind of learning. So attention and, and learning are, are, excuse me, attention and memory are both part of learning. Love that serve and return parenting. That makes a lot of sense because you, and you mentioned the intuitively. So you, you do some of these things. And what I find is um, when something happens, I'm naturally repeating it with words because, you know, it mm -hmm. had the action occurred, but then I'm um, saying what, what I'm seeing. So I like the, the idea of interacting because it's so simple and it's something anybody can do. But I think it might even, like you said, seem a little too basic or we just take it for granted maybe as parents that you don't have to do that. But I can see it does make a huge difference. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you look at some of the research about screens, even just something as simple as watching an old TV show like a Sesame Street, when a human interacts with a child watching a screen, the child is much more likely to retain what the child has watched if mom or dad or someone is saying, did you see Elmo? What's Elmo doing? That kind of back and forth with another human is essential for learning. We're, we're uh, I always say in my classes, we're pack animals. We need the pack, we need the people. And that's how we learn and grow, uh, experience everything, right? Joy, um, sadness, all of it is with each other. This is our shared experience. Of, this is our humanity, if you will. Yeah. But children who don't hear language, will not have those pathways, those neurons in the brain activated, and they will not be able to acquire language. Yeah. So you absolutely have to have the environment firing neurons to create pathways. In the absence of that, the human brain will move neurons that aren't getting fired, move them somewhere else, do something with it. We call it pruning or shedding, pruning. get rid of it, right. migrating. <laughs> They'll migrate those neurons, but... So, so experiences are the most important component of learning. But to your parents' question, well, what's really going on? What's really going on are some neurons are getting fired and repeatedly over time, they're creating a stronger pathway in the brain. Gray matter in the brain is a neuron. White matter in the brain is something called myelin. And it wraps around these pathways to make sort of quickness or fastness. So at first, you might struggle to think about five plus three but if you learn it or use it over time the pathway becomes more uh, smooth and fast and so then we have quickness or speed in the brain so when a child is quick there's not really a lot of new learning happening when it's effortful and takes a little bit of time then we know that something new is happening in the brain likewise if something happens where they don't do it exactly the same way the first or second and third times there's difference or even mistake we know something new is happening in the brain and that would be my second big piece of advice is to understand that if somebody's taking a little while to get there that's good that means new learning's taking place new learning takes time and you make mistakes 
So it really, to me, it sounds like, you know, the old, we say practice makes perfect. I don't like to use that word perfect. What about practice makes better? Because I feel like that's really what you're describing is the um, yes. And there's a saying, practice makes permanent. I think there it's, we go. Oh, I, I love that even more. I think it's David Sousa who has that in his book, how the brain learns, maybe misquoting him, but yes, it's permanent in the brain when you practice. Uh, Well-established pathways are less likely to be forgotten. So learning takes time. It's effortful. And um, that's a really important thing to know. I think a good parent can capitalize on children's innate curiosity and interest. That's the beautiful thing about humans. They're curious by nature. They're interested by nature. And so we just kind of take that little serve of curiosity and return it in increasing ways, depending on what age and mm -hmm. uh, you know, interest that the child has and, and those kinds of things. So something else that I know um, we, we learned about, and um, I know it's something you're very well versed in this idea of reflection as well and summarizing, um, you know, and that, that notion that reflecting and summarizing chunks of information will also be helpful in the learning process. So anything you can um, offer there in terms of if you're stuck on this idea of reflection and summarizing. Sure. So a great rule of thumb for most everything for a parent <laughs> when you really want to get the scoop is to stay away from the yes or no question. Yes. You don't, you don't just want a yes or a no. You want, you want more. What happens when we consolidate information that has some new learning? So your child might learn on a Zoom or learn at home with you or learn in a, in a you know, four-wall school, school building. That learning is just bouncing around in there. That new learning is being held in what we call a working or short-term memory. Yeah. But one of the ways that makes, makes it possible for it to kind of get stored in the brain, uh, a consolidation, right, of learning is twofold. The first is that um, they fire those neuron pathways again, maybe even in a slightly different way, helping to make connections. When you're asking your child about school, a really great thing to say when they respond to you might be, tell me more. Love it. Tell me more. Tell me yeah. more. Keep going a little bit because when your child is talking and telling you what they've learned, they're making sense of their day and they're consolidating that information. So that's a very important uh, way that a parent, a caregiver can support the learning that happens during the day. And it doesn't have to be fancy. And for heaven's sakes, it doesn't have to be 15 minutes. It can be, you know, 60 seconds. Yes. Uh, the brain is ready. You don't need to uh, prop it up very much. Another thing to know is that information in our brains gets moved to a long-term memory store with sleep. And there is no other way around it. Yes. And so the support from a parent that is really essential is honoring children's sleep needs and sleeping in darkness. The human brain requires darkness and ample sleep. And most kids today are not getting enough uh, sleep. So that's, uh, there's a process that happens when we're sleeping. It looks like nothing's going on, but actually the brain wakes up and does very important work. Um, cleaning out junk and gunk of the brain, but also moving information learned during the day to a long-term memory store. So honoring those kinds of rhythms with your child will help to facilitate learning. 
So the India love that because that was actually one of the things I wanted to make sure we hit on was adequate rest because, um, you, like you have said before, that is something that we need in order for those really important, um, the brain activities to take place. But what about breaks? What is, what is your take on, um, the need for brain breaks? So we mentioned a parent and you might, you know, the child might get in the car and you would immediately say, how was your day? And, and even Mm -hmm. if the pressing question of tell me more about this, um, what do you say though? And what is the role and the need for the brain to just get a break before all that occurs even? Or is that something that we should be thinking about? Sure. So the human brain does not attend 24 hours a day. It doesn't attend 12 hours a day. It doesn't attend solidly for long periods of time. We're not wired for that. Yeah. We're not wired to sit in our seats and watch a Zoom screen for hours on end. The way the brain works best uh, is with these breaks. During downtime breaks, either playing, running around, um, drawing, just relaxing, meditating, talking, then sometimes we'll come back and the brain will be ready again. It will be refreshed. One of the common misconceptions is about the human brain for any of us at any age is that we multitask. And in fact, that is not true. The human brain is a singular processor and it task switches. So... We all need to step away from that. And we, we get lured a little bit that we just shove more information in. Right. <laughs> we'll get more information in. And the brain actually, because that's not how we do. Yeah. So we need some breaks. We need some downtime. We need some recess. We need some play. Um, we need oxygen, blood flow, running around. It's a terrific break. Sleep, sunshine, great food. All of these things are the secrets to learning. And when you combine them with serve and return parenting, just sort of receiving your child and taking it back and giving it again to them and interacting, this is, doesn't cost a dime yeah. and isn't very maybe high tech, yeah. but it's exactly what children need to learn. You just said it. It's free. You don't have to pay somebody for this information. You just have to interact and understand some of those basics um, that occur as, as children are learning. Okay, so I do have to ask you this. So you have two grown children. I do. And what was the most exciting thing for you in terms of watching them grow and learn? Oh, my goodness. Well, being a parent is the absolute best thing I've ever done. I have a 26-year-old son and a 24-year-old daughter. One just graduated from law school, my son, and my daughter is in graduate school her final year. And um, so everything about being a parent is fantastic, right? But one curious thing that I often think about is if you looked at my two children, they didn't look alike, they don't look alike. One is very dark-haired, one is very light, one is male, one is female. They're both kind of tall and skinny. Mm-hmm. Um, but they always had about the same test scores whenever a school would test them. But those test scores didn't really matter a whole lot because they omitted the, their unique selves. And that's been the most fun part is to see that my two children had very similar scores. And yet the way that they grew and developed and, and showed those talents uh, were completely different. And that's the fun part. It's like a Christmas surprise all the time, a holiday surprise where you're like, what manifestation will be there? 
So uh, I've loved nurturing the nature of each of them. I love you know, that. Taking them where they are and helping them to kind of maximize their strengths. Great. Well, Dr. Gutshall, as expected, you have provided a wealth of knowledge and information and tips for our parents tuning in, and we cannot thank you enough for your time and expertise. Thank you so much for having me. Wow, what a great conversation. I wish Dr. Gutshall was my professor. She is incredible. <laughs> well, all right, parents. For those of you wanting to know more about how your child actually learns, I'm sure that conversation was rich. Well, you heard us mention that this episode was based on a question we received from one of you. So we invite you to connect with us. Email us your question at schoolhouse at com, and it might be featured on a future episode. That's schoolhouse at stu. D-E-R-E-D-U-C-A-T-I-O-N dot com. Subscribe to the podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Pandora, or wherever you go to get your podcasts. Be sure to share this podcast with another parent and get new tips each week. Thank you so much for tuning in, and we look forward to having you join us next time at The Schoolhouse.